What's up, friends? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy, and this is Looking Up. If you're new to the podcast, basically what this is is me learning from amazing people. I basically am so, I'm just so grateful for this podcast. I basically get to have like one on one mentorship sessions with some of the best in the world, and I get to learn about what I'm truly interested in, which is living my best life, which is being at my best, which is learning about psychology, spirituality, the physical body, um, business, so that I can live a more intentional life. And it's really cool to be able to share these conversations and these ideas that I'm working on right now and to be able to share them with you guys and hear how they're resonating and hear you applying them to your own journey um, is just the best feeling in the world. So not only do I get to sit down with some of the coolest people in the world for this podcast, but I'm able to share it with you guys, um, and we're basically getting mentored together. So this episode's no different. Tons of wisdom and knowledge to be impacted and applied to our own lives. My guest today is Michael Trainer. Michael is a true student of life. Uh, he he built this global charitable music festival, um, and it's attracted some of the world's greatest stars like Jay Z, Alicia Keys, Beyonce. Um, it's like it's incredible the work that Michael has done in this arena. Uh, and then he's applying that to his interviewing. He's got a podcast called the Peak Mind Podcast. He's interviewed people like the Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra, and even a former president, President Carter, among so many others. You know, Michael has traveled the world for probably longer than I've been alive. He's someone who fascinated me when I first heard him speak. He was friends with the people I worked with. And every time he would kind of talk, he had this presence about him. Uh, and I just wanted to listen. And this idea of being a student of life is what we talk about a lot on this podcast. And to hear him kind of wear it like a badge of honor was something I definitely resonated with. You know, I, I feel like my path is an untraditional one. And a great deal of that is just being a student as much as I can and learning from people that I want to learn from, like I said at the start of this intro. Uh, and Michael does that to the best of his ability, better than I've seen anybody else do it. So to be able to learn from him how to be a student of life, how to live an aligned life, how to live an intentional life, how to live a life in accordance with kind of your internal compass, as he would put it, uh, is what this podcast is about. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'll definitely be re-listening to this one. Um, Hope you're having a great day. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for sharing it on Instagram and allowing me to say what up in the DMs. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. My conversation with the Michael Trainer. Enjoy. Yeah. But you put yourself as a student of life. Yes. And that's something in a, in a time where um, seemingly, especially in LA where we are right now, everybody has their thing. Like this is, this is the thing I do. Yeah. I'm an expert in nutrition or movement or whatever. And to hear you with such a presence about you, to say I'm a student of life. Yeah. And to see what you've done has been super inspiring for me as someone who's kind of feeling like he's on this curvy path. Yeah, man. Well, I think that I think most people are, right? I mean, I think that's what's interesting is I feel like society conditions us to be like this. You have to be an expert. Plant your flag, right? And I think there is unequivocally advantages to that, right? Like um, people see you in a certain light. And I think especially as you look to... Um, grow it's there are advantages to be seen as an expert in certain areas but i think for most people like you know we live in the 21st century and we're so besieged by challenges that have been unbeknownst to other generations so i think to be what i would call in the listening around what's true for you and know that we are also evolving beings and that what may be true for you two years ago might not be true for you now I like to have a little bit more of a of a, a fluid notion of, of following kind of what's charming for me. And of course, being, you know, strategic around what could be of value to others, because I think that's where you're gonna have your greatest growth no matter what if you're if you're in business. Um, how can I be of greatest service? But I think sometimes being of greatest service is there's multiple layers, you know, to to who you are. And those layers may speak to different audiences and have different resonance. So for me, it's like the people I often respect the most are, you know, we're talking briefly before we started filming about, you know, elders. And I have a profound reverence for indigenous communities. And I've been honored to sit in certain circles that are oftentimes um, kind of closed circles. And I've noticed that the teachers I respect the most 
uh, are oftentimes these elders that wouldn't brand themselves as anything. They don't purport to be an expert in anything, but they hold such profound wisdom and they impart that wisdom through story. And that story isn't a dictate. It's not like you need to do this, right? Which I think so many Western experts, you know, do. It's like, I have the, the key that you need to unlock your potential, right? Where it's like, no, you have the key, right? And I think that's the thing. It's like, how do people realize that they're their own healers? They're their own, they're their own keys. And it's more like, how do we share anecdotes and be catalysts for other people finding their own medicine? That to me is what's intriguing. It's been an interesting journey for me when I first started, like really diving deep into personal development. It was very easy for me to turn to people I love, like family members, and be like, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. And I'm learning slowly but surely just to, to try to embody more than ever. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a funny little challenge. But you are someone who has been around people of incredible feats. Uh, and you've compiled all this wisdom and you're an alchemizer of wisdom and you're a great storyteller yourself. So I wonder if we could go back before we get into that. Sure. Uh, kind of how that started. How did you begin sitting down with people like the Dalai Lama, like a former president, like uh, Deepak Chopra? Like how that is alone is a lifelong uh, accomplishment, I would say. So how did that even come to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because I... It's the question I oftentimes get asked about the most, and it's not the thing that, you know, and you, you're, we're in our own yeah. sort of, I don't think about it. Yeah. But, so it's forced me to think about it, which is interesting, right? Because obviously in speaking with you, I want to be of greatest value to whoever's listening. You should do a great job. Of there, there's, there's a couple different ways to answer that question. One is the point that you just made yourself, right? Which is many of us go about paths trying to be imparters of wisdom, right? Like you said, my family, for example. Uh, you know, when my father unfortunately was diagnosed with dementia, I did all the things to try to fix that problem. And then I realized, you know, it's very hard to change other people, but the impetus is really on us to change ourselves first, right? So there's this, you know, somewhat famous story about Gandhi where a mother had come to him and she was like, you know, I want you to tell my son to stop eating sugar. And he was like, come back in two weeks. And she's like, comes back in two weeks and he's like, tells the son to stop eating sugar. She's like, why didn't you just say that two weeks ago? And he was like, because I need to stop eating sugar, right? I can't, I can't, I can't preach on something I'm not practicing. And so one of the things I realized is, you know, we have this kind of fallacy, I think, in Western culture, which is if only I have something, then I'll be able to do something and then I'll be successful, right? If I have the perfect girlfriend, the perfect boyfriend if i have the car if i have the house then i'll then i'll be happy right like and i'll be able to do all these things i think the truth of the matter is it's actually totally backwards it's who we're being that attracts all the all the things we see in our lives right it attracts the caliber of people that come to us it attracts those partnerships right you know there's a fallacy i think in relationships that two halves complete each other it's like no i think an authentic not codependent but actually interdependent relationships two whole and complete individuals that come together and and maintain their independence but also create an interdependence where one plus one is three right it's like something exponential and so to me the context of my great work i feel like is working to be the best version of myself and in doing so, what I've done is, is simply try to find ways to surround myself with those individuals I find most inspiring. And the way that I go about that actually, you know, tangibly or tactically, which is what I think most people are interested in, is generally speaking about leading with giving and finding something that's way bigger than me, that's beyond my self-interest, but may align with my self-interest, that's of service to that person, right? So it's like, um, global citizen, we were building a movement around ending extreme poverty, which affected 1.3 billion people around the planet. That was way bigger than me, way bigger than the team. That was a vision which other people could align with because they cared about it. And it was in their altruistic best interest. And real fast, uh, what was Global Citizen? For so Global Citizen, for those who don't know, is uh, is a movement, uh, which I had the good fortune of being at the sort of, I was the catalyst and one of the, the sort of creators, founders, whatever you want to call it, that launched this movement. Uh, and it was a movement where we decided to create, we didn't want to create a movement based in guilt and shame, which was the prevailing conversation. 
but more in hope and inspiration. So we held a music festival, very short form. It's on the Great Lawn in Central Park. It's about 70,000 people every year. And they don't get tickets based on buying their tickets. They get tickets based on their social action. And those actions are rewarded. So we sort of gamified social impacts. Those actions are then leveraged to get multi-million dollar, which have now exceeded billions of dollars, in commitments for programs serving the world's poor by hosting folks like the Jay-Z, Beyonce, Pearl Jam, Coldplay's. And it's a free concert, so people don't have to give their money, but they have to give their heart and soul, so to speak, in the form of actions that they can take around our shared humanity. And, and so that was a huge catalyst for my own learning. So to your question about like, you know, gaining access or potentially doing something with some of these figures that have these huge uh, names that are very identifiable, the key was it wasn't about me. It was about creating a context of a container that was way bigger than me with people uh, and creating small, a small team that, you know, for lack of a better analogy, punched way above weights to create a platform that had exponential value for many, many, many people. So it's about how do you create the win-win conversations? I think culturally we're so associated to like this win-lose paradigm, right? Like I'm going to get over on you to win and this sort of, you know, competition. And I think competition can be very healthy, but I think we oftentimes lose sight of the fact that we're all interdependent and, and that ultimately our mutual success is going to be based on collaboration. Because if we go off, the, I love that, because if we go off the basis that we're all kind of connected, a win-win is like a plus two, a win-lose is a, we're, we're, no one's moving. Yeah. So it's almost, it's like a universal, I like to believe it's almost like a universal like momentum builder if you can get a win. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. It is. And it's like, a you know, you're preventing the suck, the energy suck that also energy comes suck. from yeah. getting in bad relationships, right? Whether mm-hmm. that be a business partnership or, you know, I've learned the hard way more times than I care to recount. I've, I've, I've partnered with the wrong people in a win-lose paradigm. And the amount of energy that that detracts from me building something that's actually truly aligned with my self-interest, best interest, altruistic interest is significant. And I think many people can relate to that, right? Where we've, we, all of us have made sort of, for lack of a, there's no wrong move, if you will, because even those erred steps yeah. can turn into compost for fertile ground. Yeah. However, I think, you know, it's so powerful when you can early on listen to your gut and tune in and, and, and what I call be in the listening, because I think we're so attuned to like, especially as entrepreneurs, like go out, make things happen. Right. But it's like, I think, yes, if you have to make things happen, it's not like law of attraction, sit on your couch and hope for things to happen. It it requires bold action, but that action should be sourced first from a place of listening alignment and surrounding yourself with the right people, right? Like Harvard research has shown that the absolute greatest corollary to your long-term health and happiness is the caliber and quality of your long-term relationships. So I think the thing that's often infrequently spoken about, but is so critical is who are the people that you're choosing to surround yourself with? So to bring it sort of along full circle, I've chosen to surround myself on a day-to-day level with people I love and respect, but also, you know, there's also that old adage of you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. So I try to strive to reach out to those people who are way smarter than me or, or, or have achieved things that I have profound respect for. And in doing so, hopefully get some small downstream uh, inspiration uh, and beyond inspiration because inspiration is just a momentary thing, but, but actually a, 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 a playbook for, for living, for living in a different way uh, inspired by those I respect the most. What you do with Global Citizen is to such a huge scale so to hear you talk about the listening and kind of following that internal place is, mm. is super cool. What was it um, that you at that age, at that time that era you were kind of listening to and following? Like what you, you started off that whole answer by saying like it starts with growing as a person. What yeah. what that what, what kind of person were you growing into? Like where what was that involvement like for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's looked like a variety of things. So I I try to f- do things. I try to face, I have a practice of confronting fear. So tangible example of that is, is it, you know, it's my first, I've always loved travel. My parents encouraged travel and education. Those are the two, two of their core values. 
biggest passions. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, but what was interesting is when I was, my first experience alone and abroad, I was actually jumped by a gang, and which was a very traumatic experience. So I, I started to associate being alone in the world with trauma because one of my you know greatest traumas was being alone in the world. So what happened is I actually started to fear venturing out. And uh, without going into great detail, I can, but uh, I, I noticed that I associated leaving the nest with trauma. So what I had to do was I could either, you know, I had two options. One, I could uh, resign myself to the safety of my comfort zone, the nest, whatever that may be for, for people listening. I mean, I can relate to that. Or I can go as deep into that fear as possible and do what I call exposure therapy, which is expose myself to that, which I fear such that it no longer has a hold on me. So in that, in that context, what I did was I wound up my junior year abroad in college. I wound up going to Sri Lanka, a country I knew nothing about on the opposite side of the world from where I grew up. So I grew up in Chicago in the city and Sri Lanka literally is on the longitudinal line on the opposite side of the world. And there I stood out like a sore thumb, you know, like six foot four white guy. And, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are not six foot four white guys. I definitely stood out anywhere I went. And for two years of my life, I lived like that. I lived sticking out like a sore thumb in a sea of people that had not even a shared worldview or shared experience in the context of the world I knew. And I actually had a, I got had the good fortune of, when I graduated, got a Fulbright scholarship. So I wound up living with a traditional healer in a very rare form of Ayurveda. Uh, and I looked at basically how rituals were used to build community traditionally. So in Sri Lanka, the, traditionally there wasn't a word for privacy and there wasn't a word for, word for possession. So literally if a person fell out of balance, um, for, perhaps got besieged by their own fear, the way that they would be brought back is through this community ritual that was beautiful. Uh, and so I looked at like how music, which informed, for example, later down the track, Thoughts Rock Global Citizen, but how music and community and all these different um, dynamics were used to bring a person back into feeling a part of something bigger than themselves. And I think in modern day life, well, that's one of the big challenges I think especially young people face is so many people feel so deeply alone. And it's a fallacy that we're alone, but unfortunately our culture perpetuates this aloneness because whether it be through social media or consumption, we're taught that if only I have more followers or if only I have this thing, then I'll feel whole. And maybe for a moment you get the dopamine hit of like completeness, but ultimately it's a, it's a, it's a fallacy, right? None of us truly feel fulfilled or whole in through consumption. It's about actually the recognition of our and celebration of our interconnectedness. So again, it goes to that first principle of, of giving. And if you give and surround yourself with the right community and the right people, then um, that sense of loneliness is assuaged, right? And also that anxiety, which is what led me to Sri Lanka in the first place, is assuaged. So that that led to a great passion. Then instead of associating fear with trauma and traveling with trauma, it became my great passion. And I spent you know the, a large measure of my twenties traveling around the world, you know, to to sub-Saharan Africa, South Africa. Uh, to to South America, Southeast Asia, Laos, Cambodia, like just basically opening myself to this great university, which is living in the world. Man, uh, I love it. I, we could, there's so much to unpack there. I'm just going to pick one. Yeah. But um, travel for me was changed my paradigm like more than I could ever express. I went, I was out of college. Uh, you know, everybody's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, I none of this looks appealing to me. I graduated with an economics degree. I'm like, this is, none of this fits. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go travel. That at least sounds like a good answer because everybody's like, oh, you're going to go travel. It sounds good. So it's almost an ego decision. And I go and I do a solo travel, very similar. I'm scared out of my mind uh, and spend uh, almost a half a year in Europe. And when everything is different, the culture, the language, every, all you have is that relationship to yourself. Yep. And that was the first time that I developed some sort of internal knowing, internal voice. Uh, I came home with some direction, just some itch to just start here. Just, just use that drone that you've never used and start doing videos for people. Yeah. And it started inspiring. So I love that you touched on that. Um, and since travel has been a major passion, how does how how do you feel? You know, travel can 
be utilized as like a personal development tool? That's a question I had. And is that for me? I'm I'm only 24 now, so I still I'm on the climb, but yeah. I also have this huge passion for travel. Yeah, is it uh, sustainable? You you spent 23 years traveling the world, as you put it in your podcast bio. That's basically how old I am. So I just like admire <laughs> that so yeah. much. Uh, how does one you know build such a, an amazing career and such an amazing community while also you know utilizing this amazingly powerful tool of travel as a personal development tool. Is that possible? Yeah, it's a great question. I I think it is in many ways more possible than ever, right? Because of, you know, I mean, I I sort of approach technology in large large measure as agnostic, right? It can be used for good or it can be used for negative consequences. But because of where we are technologically, it's it's, it's easier than ever to travel, right? Like, for those listening, there's so many ways to travel where you can volunteer in exchange. Uh, you know, a lot of people will do woofing, like go on and organic farms in like New Zealand, etc. So there's so many ways to, to travel now inexpensively. And there's, you know, now van life is becoming huge. I actually just bought my first camper van. Uh, so, so it's like, I okay. spent my last, I spent last year, six months in a van. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Before I came to LA. Yeah, it's wild. Rent, so I had a van. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, man. You know, it's like, what, that's, that's wild, right? It's like, so, you know, my intention at the moment is it's a limited, but I, but I'm like, okay, I want to use it now because we live in this incredible place called California. And, you know, it's like Big yeah. Sur, Joshua Tree, Yosemite. And for me, nature is like. It's like church for me. So I'm like, okay, nice. I want to find ways to go like live in those places and find ways. Because for me, that's my place for centering and finding my resonance and being in the listening for myself. So, but travel is still, international travel is still a huge part of, of my education. And I think there's always ways when there's a passion, it's like, and you commit. Once you commit to something, I find like you, the way your brain just sort of reorients itself with the this sort of the universe, for lack of a better term, like opportunities start to present themselves. And I feel like once you're committed and you declare like, this is what I'm doing and you get out of, you know, that, that arbitration, that sort of deliberation that we all, all of us go through when making a decision, you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. Even if it's like six months from now, I'm going to take three weeks or I'm going to take a month and I'm going to travel. And, you know, even if you only had, you know, even if you only had a, several hundred dollars or like a thousand bucks like you can still have an yeah. epic experience and i think the beautiful part is um that you're reminding me because you said it perfectly like people myself included it's so easy to do i will do this when yes i and travel comes right in there Every, so many people i will travel i just need to get my things together first i just need to be a successful person first and for me i did it the opposite way and i don't think i would have been on this path that I feel so humbled to be on had yeah. I not traveled. So yeah. it's almost not viewing them as separate things. It's viewing it as the same path. Totally. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's seeing, I mean, look, as far as we know, we only get one shot at this dance, you know, and it's like, all right, well, how are we going to approach it? And so for me, it's like, when I think about traveling, it's like, all right, well, I want to see as much of this world as possible and be a global citizen, you know? And to me, that comes down to like, all right, well, you know, I don't, I think there's also an important thing that distinction to mention, which is like, I don't think you want to necessarily, I, I find it not as satisfying to travel for travel's sake, right? Like there have been moments where like, I've just, you know, I was like, I shared, I was tr- gone for almost two years. And during that period, there were times in which I felt of deep service. Oh, like I would volunteer, right? So after grad school, for example, I, I had a great fortune uh, of going to uh, grad school in New York. And I got I studied Tamil because I speak uh, Singhala, uh, which is the language in Sri Lanka. Um, and fortunately, I, the government paid for my tuition. Uh, and so when I finished Columbia, I did it and spent a two-year degree in one year. I was like, I want to use the other year to volunteer. So I just kind of hitched along and then added value. And in doing so, was presented with access to these extraordinary places, like places I never would have been able to get to on my own. But it was, I chose to align with these causes that I felt interested in, came from a spirit of like, how can I give back? And then was presented with these extraordinary opportunities, which also, frankly, happened to be like great cost mitigators. I mean, like, I was, I didn't have a ton of money at the time. I was just like, all right, well, I was, I was grateful for having been able to go to grad school without incurring debt. I definitely incurred debt from undergrad, 
But fortunately, like one of the things I've recognized, and I think this is encouraged in our culture, unfortunately, is this debt, which then weighs people down from that, that freedom of travel. And many people listening, I'm sure, are in that place, and I've been there, and I work my tush off to get out of debt. Um, and I recommend that for everyone. But this was a context where I was like, okay, cool. Like, let me pay this back and let me do it in a way that's low cost because I don't want to incur more debt when I come back because that'll inhibit my freedom. But let me do it in a way where I'm creating something that's of service, which actually brings me to an interesting story, which is, you know, around alignment. And it goes to what you were talking about earlier. So there was a moment after I did this traveling around the world where I was probably like several of the folks listening, like in a very interesting place. I didn't have a lot of money. I finished grad school. I was kind of like, all right, what do I do next? And I had an, an offer, I won't mention the company, but an offer with very significant money behind it to um, basically represent a company that I didn't feel totally aligned to. It was a huge opportunity. It would have been easy money. And I literally, a lot of it was just me being an ambassador and doing some photography and film work and such. And so I actually did the work and it was, I flew to New York and I remember I was literally like, I just had to hand over a card for my files and I would have been presented with a very significant amount of money and the promise of a lot more, but it just did not feel in alignment. Didn't feel like the stand I wanted to be in the world, especially after doing this travel and volunteering with all these amazing organizations. And so even though it made no sense, I basically never get handed over that card. So I basically gave up that opportunity, which felt like, the money I needed, but not in alignment. And instead was like, I'm going to double down on this philanthropic work and actually volunteered for an organization called Charity Water. And I filmed their annual gala where they build freshwater wells around the world. And at that gala was actually where I ran back into a gentleman by the name of Bobby Bailey, who had started an organization called Invisible Children. And he had just launched uh, with Glo- a global poverty project, which wound up becoming a global citizen, which was the great one of the greatest paths professionally up in my life. That came from me forsaking a commercial opportunity to instead volunteer my time for a company that felt very in alignment and led to one of the greatest professional um, experiences of my life. And you know, probably in many ways, what will be you know, along with the whole team that, that, that has worked on it, with the greatest legacies of my life in terms of impacting the world. So partly, sometimes you got to take that scary decision, um, that feel and trust your gut and, and take the hard choice. And in doing so, it's like you're declaring, this is what I'm about, this is what I'm up to. And the people, places, opportunities that are aligned with that start to find them, find their way to you as you are in action. Mm. I love that you differentiated the difference between travel and like meaningful travel, uh, first off, because yeah. that that is a huge point to make in that like travel can very much be seen as just indulging for X amount of time and that's not what I attribute all the growth to. It's yeah. Definitely, I, I, my mission was like, I'm going to learn Spanish and it was just enough of a container to give me purpose to, to connect with community, to give me that growth in the soul level. Yeah. And I love what you just said because that's kind of super on point with where I'm at right now is what feels good uh but that can be difficult when you don't have like 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 you similarly did don't have the financial placement to be like say no to say no is, is a hard thing to do yeah in the early stages how do you kind of nurture that that voice you had that courage or was that kind of an internal battle that you had oh yeah internal battle like i'm not gonna say it was easy by any means yeah. uh, you know all of us have that right and you before we had a conversation, we don't have to talk specifics, but it sounds like you are even practicing this today. Oh, 100%. No, I am. Definitely. Like, it's like... To say no to good for you. Yeah, you say, like, oh, there's lots of opportunities that will come your way that are, like, you, they feel like a yes. Intellectually, they're a yes because they pull on, on some kind of need, right? Like, financial need, what have you. In my experience, just, look, you know, for whatever it's worth, when I pursued something solely based on my intellectual desire or, you know, whatever that need, and it's not aligned with my gut or my values, it's gone horribly wrong. So like another story is like 2018, I literally signed a contract that was on paper way beyond anything I'd ever, cause I've always been working in pretty much nonprofits, but let's just call it a seven figure agreement. And it wasn't not aligned, but it wasn't like my truest purpose. 
And without going into great detail, that totally folded over and led to another context where, like, literally, there's another entity that um, that year that I signed up for after that went south that was tens of thousands of dollar agreement that they never paid me for. So it's like when I, I finally I felt that when I've been burned in very hard ways where I've gone with something that felt intellectually aligned or close, but with and it might even be totally aligned. Like the, the other one was totally aligned to my values, but the people weren't right. So it's like, I, I feel like one, it's around discerning which opportunities are right. And is it in alignment with your head, your heart, and your gut? Sometimes your head's like, oh, wow, this is super attractive, right? Like, as was the case with that agreement, which was the seven figure agreement. But lo and behold, because the heart and the gut were sort of bypassed by how amazing that would be. I learned a very hard way that that, that that's a, I've got to go in total alignment. And then I learned that lesson again in 2018 when it was like, okay, um, you know, here's an entity that's actually totally aligned, but I could tell, like, I kind of, you know, it's like when you're in a relationship and like you're, you're following all the things that are charming about that person and there's red flags, but you don't want to think about the red flags because you're blinded by all the like epicness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever that may be, they're super funny. They're super attractive. They're all the things, but like, by the way, they like flake on the phone call or like they don't, they're not down to have direct conversations, whatever it is. Like there's like, you know, we know that there's certain things where it's like so seductive that you're like, oh yes. But if you're not in alignment on like the totality of it, oftentimes energetically it winds up costing way more than the benefit. So what I found in the instances, you know, again, in the listening of like where I've made, for lack of a better term, I don't want to say a misstep because any step is still furthering us in, I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't learned the hard lessons that all of us learn. And it's just a deeper reckoning on, you know, something's got to be truly aligned, even if it feels far more, less lucrative, right? Like that my podcast, you, you have this podcast, right? Me saying I, I recorded years before I launched because I had a whole ego conversation of like, how do you go from global citizen and like having Jay-Z Beyonce on stage to like some dude in his living room, like we are right now having conversations. Then I saw, which I've shared with you before, but I saw this Tom Petty concert and realized, or excuse me, it was Fleetwood Mac. And they did a tribute to Tom Petty. And I realized that I always wanted to go see Tom Petty and I never did. And he, and he passed away. And I was like, wow, some things, some opportunities pass you by if you don't seize them. And I was like, I'm going to launch the podcast. If it's to two people, so be it. Like, I'm not going to wait till it's like another 70,000 people audience. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and like launch. And the things that have unfolded because it's totally in alignment have been game changing this year. Right. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's over, like I'm just starting, but it feels so aligned. I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with you right now in my living room. It feels like the most, val- one of the most valuable things I could be doing right now. Yeah. And so getting out of the way, I think of our ego and listening again to that like full bodied alignment is so, I think, integral. And that's what I learned in that story I just shared around, you know, Bobby and, and volunteering with Charity Water. It was like turning down easy money that was literally to be paid to me as soon as I just literally handed something over and saying no. And instead going when I didn't have any money and I was broke, I'm going to keep volunteering. Like that was a very hard decision, but yet it led to one of the greatest paths of my life, you know? And I think, so for people listening, you know, that comes down to, I think, inner knowing so that, I mean, that's the the inner work, right? So meditate all the different things, meditation, all the different, uh, you know, whatever you use for getting clear on your signal in the noisy world that we live in, right? Like what's, what's your, what gets you for me? It's nature. That's why I brought the camper van or travel. Like what, what are the things that bring you back to your center and then surrounding yourself again with people who are great listening boards? Cause sometimes we don't know our own blind spots, you know? So, but if you have trusted advisors, even if that's one person or two people that you consider your people, the way I think about it is often like, if God forbid any of us wound up and knock on wood, that doesn't happen in the hospital, um, who would be the people that actually show up? And that's a real way of reckoning on like who your true people are. Because I have tons of friends, you know, especially when I was doing the festival. September, man, everyone would reach out. Like, because, yeah, everyone wanted to come to the festival. You know, it's like, I had lots of friends and a lot of friends in September. Um, but, um, but, but then when I got real and I'm like, well, how many of them? And that's probably a handful of people for any of us. You know, it's like, okay, those are the people you want to double down on. 
And sometimes those aren't the sexiest people, right? Those aren't like the big names. Yeah, yeah. Those are like the family members or the friends that are like the real, the real juice. And unfortunately, oftentimes it's not until we're in a really challenging place or in a tough way that we know that we know who those people are. And that that happened to me recently. Like I know it's that twenty eighteen. I went from like the seven figure deal to like seventy thousand dollars in debt, and that was like I. I had to pull myself out of it. Fortunately, I have. But it was like a humbling experience. Mm. Massively humbling. Mm. And um, I think anyone listening can, can like be related. So like, you know, we're, we're sold this fallacy that the path is like, you know, this like ladder that you just climb. And it's all, it's all, you know, gold god and glory once you hit if only you hit this level right and it's so not that it's like for anyone it's like a wine it's still for me for anyone it's a it's this kind of I like catch myself in that illusion so much yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it's, it's, it's circuitous it's like it's it's a it's a it's an interesting path and we find ways to teach ourselves a lesson sometimes the hard way and until we've actually learned the lesson and applied it it'll keep showing up in, in our lives. So for me, gratefully, like not even like a year later, now I'm in a place where it's like, okay, I've got myself out of that and I'm, you know, buying a camper van. And like, but that came from me like committing to, okay, even though it doesn't intellectually maybe seem like the most lucrative option, I'm going to go with that, which feels totally aligned to who I am and what I want to create. Mm-hmm. And it's led to boundless opportunities. And it's like, okay, this is amazing. Like I have, I'm doing what I love, you know, there's still lots of room to grow, but I'm, but I don't, I don't end on any morning wake up and be like, Oh man, I'm not, I'm not stoked on doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, that's a quest I think for all of us, right? Like how do we live purposeful lives in the 21st century? Yeah. And I think especially for young people, including myself, I mean, large part of my 20s were angst. And like, by the way, that doesn't like totally go away. Like each phase of life, I feel like, leads to different big questions, right? Um, but, you know, I think finding those anchors and, like, doubling down on the anchors that feel aligned, um, to me, is the path which you keep in a good way in your walk as you as you walk with purpose, right? And it, to me, that's also, like, the war, kind of the warrior's creed, which is, like, it's a good day to die, Um and that's like the stoic, like using death as an impetus for living, right? Like a, a, a warrior uh, in many Native American cultures, it was like, it wasn't like the, like warrior in the way that we see it, like where it's like go off and like, you know, conquest. It was more like I am in, I am a stand for something bigger than myself and I'm willing to sacrifice my life for that, you know? And I think for me, I often use that as like, if I'm walking too many days where I don't feel like it's a good day to die or I'm, I'm not walking in a way where it's like, I feel like I'm standing for something bigger than myself and also feel good about what I'm putting out in the world. Then I know I'm walking in the wrong direction. Mm. So I feel like using the, like whatever those anchors are that keep you walking in a good way, it's great to be able to come back to those. The anchors, I love that. The guidepost that like every variable can be different. It can still be in that flowing state, like you said, but if you have those things, at least for me, podcasting is, definitely one of them yeah the fact that i'm sitting here with you it's like this is right this is alignment uh and then i love that you touched on finding a way to find your center daily whether, whether it meditate whether it's meditation for me it's, it's nature as well oftentimes but that for me has been a big uh growing experience that i'm still working on is differentiating ego fear um like i could easily say you know i have this podcast with michael trader i'm nervous mm. it's not a good fit Mm. This doesn't feel right. He probably doesn't vibe with me, but really, no. Like the first time I was around you, the second time I was like, yes, this guy is awesome. I want to sit with him. So differentiating natural nerves that come with progression and and surrounding yourself with people that bring out a different side of you, but then also that uh, that ego fear that like tries to keep you small almost, tries to keep you in a box. Comfort zone. It's like, stay comfortable. And one of the first things you said was exposure therapy. Podcast is a great way to do that. I'm sure you know, you're talking to some Dalai Lama, things like that. (laughs) What are some practices that you return to uh, when you get faced with that? Yeah, it's a great question. That comfort zone fear. I think, you know, it's it's a funny dance because it's like, and I think about it like a dance. It is a day. It's a day because it's like, so I'm also extroverted by nature, but I'm an ambivert truly. So I'm extroverted by nature. I feel, I feel like on fire when I'm, when I'm on purpose in a room, like I love that. 
However, I need and know about myself that I need also to go introvert. So I need to go charge in nature. I need to be by myself. I need to live by myself. I need to like, I live on the beach. I need to go jump in the ocean or, or do a sauna. And I need those moments of like, but I know also that if I stay too long in an area where I'm comfortable, so, or if I, you know, if I did like Bonnie Barrett, like move to a log cabin, I probably for a period of time, that'd be good for like writing a book, but it wouldn't be me living my true gift in the world because it would be too much in my comfort zone. I would probably delight in it for a period, but to me, it's like, how do I keep pushing the boundaries of that comfort? So in the context, like you're, you're sharing with the podcast, it's like, who do I reach out today? That's to, that scares me, you know, like, right. So, and that's the beauty, by the way, for those that are listening, it's like the beauty is like now, one of the things I think about is uh, my view is like networking as we knew it is dead. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I go to conferences and it's like, if someone's looking at my name badge and trying to see what way they can extract value from me whilst looking over my shoulder to see who's more important behind me, it's like, that's a dead conversation. I don't even, I oftentimes don't even, I I personally don't even lead with asking people what they do. Like, I want to get to know who someone's being. And then if there's resonance, great. And if, if that leads to them having something that's aligned, even better. But like, I think ideally you move in a way where it's like, you're not trying to transact or extract value, which is how we're taught, but actually how can I be of service? How can I give, right? Yeah. You, when you reached out to me and I would have, I'm a yes anyway, because I just like you. I like who you are. I like how you show up in the world. But you know, you also were like, you led by being like, Hey, let's do this. And like, it was all like, how can I be of value to you? And to me, it wasn't even about the value. I wasn't like, oh, whatever. I was just like, I liked you, but also I just liked that you were like, I'm aligned to adding value to people. And that's what I try to do. I try to create platforms where it's a value people, right? I'm working on a large scale meditation for 2020, connecting med- people who meditate to planting, protecting trees in the Amazon. And that's just because I feel like kind of in some ways helpless given the world we're living in today and how, how much sort of guy in mind we've fallen away from that and our interdependence and interconnection to nature but i'm also like you know what trees are something i don't care what your political orientation is everyone can get behind like planting protecting trees and like i'm all into exponential technology but as far as i can tell you know a tree is one of the greatest ancient technologies around and <laughs> and we all breathe and the reason we are able to breathe is because of trees so i was like you know what let me do something i have connections to some amazing indigenous leaders in the amazon let me, let me do something like where we can do a, a, a very large scale meditation or for each person that meditates, we plant a certain number of trees. Now in doing so, it's scary because I'm now going to go after like some very large scale, I don't like the word, but let's call it influencers, celebrities, what have you. Again, like I did back in the days with Global Citizen. But I'm okay with that. Why? Because I'm not asking about something that's for me. Now, there will likely be some kind of a uh, tangible downstream benefit for me because I'm holding that container. But in, but but I'm far less fearful of stepping out of that comfort zone because it's not about me. It's about something bigger than me, right? It's like I'm going to take it. T- I'm going to go in a whole totally different direction. But like again, back to that warrior's creed. If you were, God forbid, in a place of combat, you know you it's not the only way you can stay in that place and have courage i think is because if is if you're doing it for something bigger than yourself right like i'm i'm my value is to be a pacifist i believe in peace however if someone threatened my family that's a different story right and it's like okay what's this what are you willing to stand for that's so dear to you that you will step way beyond your comfort zone and so to me there's that notion of like, how do you, if you align to something bigger than yourself and you're actually humbly looking to live in accordance with that truth, again, it attracts this powerful attention. And oftentimes that leads to doors that you never would have guessed you could open uh, because of the fact that you're walking that path and people can see you're walking that path. And that can apply to such a small level that like I can feel that on a physical level. If I'm nervous, it's likely because I'm putting too much of the pressure or the outcome on how this results for me, how I need to show up, how I need to perform. Uh, that could be for athletics. That could be for a job. That could yep. be a podcast. 
But the second I kind of shift it and be like, I am celebrating Michael and I'm so happy to be giving him value in the form of video and I know this is going to help him and I get to do my small humble part of sharing his message, it really did relieve some weight. So the fact that you kind of touched on that was was super cool. Yeah. Um, I want to try to hit like three more questions. Totally. Um, so they'll be relatively shorter. If you were to kind of um, prescribe someone that is kind of lost and floating through life and wants to live this intentional, purposeful life that you've done a great job of doing, build a career, one that is aligned with their values, you know, their spirit, all that good stuff. Um, is there like, it's kind of a, a tough thing to do, but a, a pillar system or some sort of prescription you would give someone to go from kind of like this messy fog to kind of like this honed in, um, purposeful, driven life. Yeah, I would say uh, to me, it's about anchors and keeping it real granular. So like a lot of times people get into these altruistic, like, yes, map out your five-year plan. Mm -hmm. uh, what I would recommend to people listening is do, there's an exercise. I did a, uh, an episode with a gentleman on my podcast named Jared Robinson, uh, Tony Robinson. Listen to that episode uh, if, if you want to do this exercise. But he, just, he has something called the, the uh, ideal day exercise. Where you literally map out your idea. What, what, what do you want your ideal day to look like? like how do you want to wake up? What, what, what activities would you include in that day? How do you want to feel during that day? What kind of people are you surrounding yourself with that day? And what's interesting about that exercise is you, you get a real perspective. Some of the things, if you try to think about what's the purpose of my life, it just seems so big, right? And I think... In some of the folks that I've interviewed, so much of the key to people who achieve beyond measure successes, uh, you know, there's another guy I interviewed, Charlie Engel, who literally wrote, basically ran across sub-Saharan Africa. Like, he ran two marathons a day in the desert for like 120 days or something like that. And how he did it was he broke down each day into two marathons. You know, he had to do a marathon before lunch and then he broke down each marathon into steps, right? Well, so compounded, it led to this epic achievement. But the way he did it was he segmented and he did one step at a time. So I think what the ideal day exercise does is if once you isolate how you want to feel and what you want to experience each day, then my biggest advice is simply to try to get 1% better each day. Right. So many people are like, oh, they, they fall. We all fall. Right. Like if they're dieting and they eat like the chocolate cake, oh, they beat themselves up. Guilt, shame. Like don't get into the guilt and shame train. Right. Like, you know, acknowledge if you took a misstep. OK, cool. Like this is what I'm going to do to commit to be one percent better tomorrow. Right. And I think that idea of one percent and, and applying and keeping in mind what is ideal for you in a way that's very tangible and very pragmatic. And then compounding that by adding a little bit more, getting a little bit closer to that each day, you'll find over the long term. And I think we have a, unfortunately, because of our Instagram generation, we have, we have a lack of patience. But like I just saw on Instagram, Gary Vaynerchuk, 10 years ago, he's literally scanning wine bottles at his father's wine store, right? 10 years later, he's got whatever tens, now tens of millions of followers across platforms is on the cover of our but like, how did that happen? It happened by him putting in the work every day over the course of 10 years. So I think there's a saying, we often overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. And I think thinking about that and really getting even more granular and thinking about what can I accomplish in a day and then just focusing on being a little bit better each day, it's it, life changing. What's it mean to be a, a student of life? You are the true epitome of that. How would you synopsize someone who wants to alchemize wisdom, wants to be around, like, what is a student of life? For me, being a student of life is being in the listening. It's about, you know, and it's not a passive experience. It's active listening. So it's, it's really tuning into yourself, to your vision, your values, and being in, in, in the question. I think living in the question of who am I? Who am I each day? How do I want to show up each day? Who do I want to be in this interaction on this day? And literally stacking uh, experiences, people, um, your path, the way you walk in the in the world in a good way based on that listening and how it feels to be in the experience of um, 
who you're interacting with or how you are showing up. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, we, we've had this vision of school, which is very passive and, and post-colonial, frankly. School was based on sort of 20th century industrial capitalism. And it's like, I am the receiver of said information. I go from first grade to second grade to third grade. You know, I get, I get a job for 30 years. I get a gold watch. I retire. That paradigm is broken and antiquated. It's like, how do we, as students of life, apply the, the, our own insights and the great opportunities of 21st century living in terms of our access to travel, our access to the great thinkers of our time, books and the internet and, and access to platforms like podcasts? How do we utilize the great opportunities to be in the listening and then each day apply uh, our own great vision and values to move one step closer to our goal and, 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 and continually from that place of listening, reorient, am I walking in the right way? Right. To me, it's like, there's no like right way. That's like forever the right way. There's no like straight lines of success. It's how do I continue to iterate on my steps each day to get 1% better such that from a place of listening, I get closer and closer to that place of center that is my own unique truth, voice, and expression in the world. Internalizing that for sure. One of the original things that I loved that you said, um, you know, Tom Petty had passed and realized he needed to put out your work <clears throat> because he didn't want to die with your song in you. You say, sing your song, sing your music. Yeah. And man, I was like, yeah, like, Hit it on the head, on the on the head. So, what is your song, Michael? What is the the tune that you're currently playing? What do you? How do you? I would love to hear how you put it in your words. Like, how do you define what you're putting out in the world? Yeah, I mean, my song is, you know, it's interesting because I have such I, music is my passion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, watch a music festival, uh, listen to music all the time. Now I'm listening to a lot of. Uh, what I would call medicine music, uh, which is really about the, the ability that medicine ha- uh, music has in the context of our own healing and the ability it has to forge community. So, for example, traditionally in, uh, for example, like plant medicine circles, um, you know, I had the great uh, pleasure to sit with a, a roadman from the Native American church and he, he would use the rattle. And the way that he used the rattle, I kind of describe it as, you know, he's a very, he's an amazing man, big man. You know, you wouldn't recognize by looking at him that he's like as prolific of a musician as he is. You know, he's this uh, very, very large DNA man, and he's got a he's got a trucker hat on, and t-shirt. And I described it as like I was sitting next to him, and I, you know, it's like you could be sitting next to Aretha Franklin on a bus and have no idea who you're sitting next to because Aretha on a bus is not singing her music. When he sang his music and he worked with that rattle, it was like the scene from a river runs through it at the end. I don't know if people have listened, but where basically Brad Pitt's casting and he's put 20,000 hours in and his casting technique is this very unique way of fly fishing. And it's beautiful. It's like orchestral. It's, it's synchronized. And this moment with Jerry, where he was working with his rattle and starts to sing, he sings with this deep timber that was like Aretha Franklin but his own, what was his own music. And it was the way that he moved that rattle. It evoked within everyone listening, the deep resonance within their heart, their soul of who they are. And to me, music that is amazing music, which we know because all of us, you know, we know that like a hit song is a hit song because it hits this resonance that is, it evokes within all of us this shared possibility. It's also why I love festivals because it's a modern day way in which, you know, these, these beautiful songs can be brought to life in the listening of other people, making it real and dancing and singing along to that song. My hope is that humbly in my own way, I become more and more comfortable in being in my own listening and sharing these incredible peak minds of the world in a way that creates aliveness in other people in a way that people can find their own unique truth in the rhythm section that's laid down by the sharing of those peak minds such that their own melody weaves into the music like Jerry did with that beautiful rattle where the song was one we all shared together but laid on this very unique resonant foundation such that it evoked 
in everyone a greater possibility. That was such a beautiful answer, and I really appreciate you just saying such a beautiful thing right there because it gave me uh, a really nice way to North Star like articulate my vision and my my purpose. Yeah, That's please. So thank you for that. That'd be great. No, no, that I mean, you saying that for me so many question marks around like you know being a student of life and feeling like i'm trying to optimize information and grow like what you just said is such a uh, a way in which so many people can live yeah and so i appreciate that yeah everyone can right i mean i think that's the thing we forget we're all interdependent and we're all interconnected mm-hmm. and so you know we, we get lost in this i think fallacious notion that someone's figured it out and like they're living it and i don't know and the truth of the matter is we are all inextricably linked to each other. And as it goes with the micro, so goes the macro. As it goes with the macro, so goes the micro. And so that's why I, I think that to me, when we use the analogy of music and being a student of life, it's really figuring out how to weave our instrument, our unique expression, our unique voice mm-hmm. with, with the rhythm section, the harmonies of those around us, such that it creates a unique and beautiful song. One of my favorite questions to end on is, uh, if you were to change nothing and assuming everything happens for a reason, assuming you're exactly where you're supposed to be, and I know you believe that, what is a piece of encouragement, advice, or anything like that that you would give uh, your 24-year-old self? I think to be, to, to, to not worry so much about taking things so seriously to be in joyful expression. I think oftentimes I have in the past, and I'm a joyful person at my core, at times my seriousness or my like over-deliberation, overthinking, especially in my in my 20s, compromise my expression of joy. And I think that the thing that I would tell myself is, is both, it, 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 it's almost uh, seemingly paradoxical because it's basically like you're thinking so hard into your purpose that if you actually just like took a step back listened to the music and danced a bit more in that from that place you'd actually be living more of your purpose from that joy so for me that that's what i would say is is be more in the listening and less in the overthinking and deliberation You're, uh, I'm, I feel very connected to you. So I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Is there anything I missed? Anything you want to close out on that you want to leave people with? If not, uh, also include where people can find you. Peak Mind. So oh, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun to research. No. Yeah, people can. Oh, yeah. So people can uh, find me um, anywhere on the interwebs. I'm at Michael Trainer on all social platforms. Cool. Uh, if they want, they, you're more than welcome to listen to uh, Peak Mind with Michael Trainer. It's on all the platforms. Um, but in terms of like anything to leave people with, I would just say, you know, I think we're all walking and we're, and, and none of us truly have figured it out. I think, you know, I'm always inspired. The, the p- teachers, again, to bring a sort of full circle that I respect the most are the storytellers. And they're oftentimes the most humble. And they never tell you, you know, this is how you have to live. If you don't do this, then this, you know, in my experience, humble experience, they live their truth in a unique way, and they have a sort of resonance about them, right? It's like a good song. It's like you want to be closer to them. And oftentimes, that's not about the words they share, but it's their way of being, the way they walk in the world. So I think, I think, and, the, and the, truth, the truth is that we are our own teachers and our own healers. And when we are in the listening within ourselves and also surrounding ourselves with those resonant humans that just feel like they're walking in the in the world in a way that really speaks to us. I think what I, the only thing I would say is hold those people close, you know, because um, there's no greater, there's no greater value in life than well, our health and our time on the planet. Cause that's the most, that's finite, but, but that is maximally utilized through surrounding ourselves with the most quality people. So to me, I would just say, Find your people that uh, that that resonate with your song, and you resonate with theirs, and make beautiful music. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure. My man. Yeah. You're a legend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a pleasure.
Thank you for checking out the podcast. Thank you for checking out Looking Up. There's a lot of shows you could be listening to, so if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. If you want to support the podcast, you can leave a a review on Apple iTunes and leave a comment there. That is super helpful. And you could take a screenshot of the show and share it to Instagram. Maybe include something you liked about the episode. Those two things mean the world to me. Help the show grow organically uh, and allow me to kind of hear from you guys and, and kind of converse with you guys one-on-one, which is always awesome. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the show. A lot of amazing things coming in 2020. I'm excited to be growing and learning alongside you. I will see you on the next episode. Bye.